Welcome to the Life & Law Podcast. I'm Heather Mulder, former AmLaw 100 partner turned lawyer coach who, just five years into my legal career, found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. But I was determined not to become yet another lawyer burnout statistic. And so I redefined success on my own terms, enabling me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I now help purpose-driven lawyers confidently retake control of their careers and create their next level of success and impact. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Welcome to episode number 50 of the Life in Law Podcast. This is Heather Mulder, your host, and I'm excited to have you here with me today. So it feels like episode 50 is kind of... um, kind of a big deal. I don't know. (laughs) Um, When I started this last year, I didn't know if I'd get even to episode 25. Uh, I wasn't quite sure what to expect and wanted to make it work, thought that it was something that I would really enjoy and that could really help people. But you never really know until you do it, right? And luckily, I've enjoyed it immensely. I am slowly but surely growing, and so it's a little bit of a celebration today getting to episode number 50. And it seems like the appropriate time to talk about what I learned last year. So I think you know by now, hopefully you know, that I I think it's really important to, at the end of every year or the beginning of the year, to look back on the prior year and really answer some tough questions. And some of those questions get to, you know, what mistakes were made? What challenges did you face? What are all the hard things that you did this last year? And what did you learn from it? And so, of course, I did that for myself towards the end of this last year. And I wanted to share a lot of the things that I really identified that I learned from this last year that I think would be helpful for you as well and really helpful so that you can help leverage those lessons yourself to supercharge you to more success in this year. So that's what we're getting into today. And before I get into those lessons, if you have not listened to my goal setting and planning episodes, and specifically the one that gets into asking these tough questions, highly recommend you go back and listen to them. I will put a link to those in the show notes. Okay. So let's just dive right in. Lesson number one for me this last year was that hard doesn't mean you can't have fun. So I'm sure you know this by now because you're a lawyer and many of you are in private practice and I consider private practice law to be kind of like running your own business because you really are, <laughs> okay? If you, haven't, if you haven't seen it that way, you need to. But running your own business is really, really hard and Over the last couple of years, I've had to learn a lot of new things. I've had to learn how to market online, which is a whole vast new world. And it's really a different kind of marketing than the type of marketing I did as a lawyer. I've had to learn how to do a lot of back-end stuff that I never in my life had to do as a lawyer. Like, I'm a one-stop shop currently, although (laughs) I do have plans this year to hire somebody. So FYI. Um... But yeah, I know I do all of my online 
you know, marketing. I do a lot of the back-end website stuff. I do I do a lot of stuff. And it can be tedious. It can be hard. It can be very time-consuming. But it doesn't necessarily mean you can't have a blast, or at least for the most part, really enjoy yourself. I've always thought that hard work, hustling, that whole hustle and grind kind of a thing just feels heavy. It's not much fun, ugh, and I don't like it. And so I've been a hard worker, but I've never really, and, and it's funny because one of my top values is to have fun. But this whole idea of work and fun has been harder for me to combine um, than I would sometimes have liked to admit, which is interesting because <laughs> My special, my specialty and something I'm really good at with other people is helping them really hone in on their unique strengths in a way to build their business or to do their job if they're in-house in a way that is more fun, that makes it more fun. And I was pretty good at, I, okay, I didn't start out good at that at all for myself as a lawyer, but over the years I figured it out and I did make it fun. But in this new business, for whatever reason, I kind of always saw it as, well, I'm learning all these new things. I've never done this before. It's just going to be a lot harder. There's going to be a lot more hustle. There's going to be a lot more grind, which again, to me, always felt like ugh, hard. And this last year has really changed my perspective on that. And a lot of it has to do with the podcast, actually. The podcast added a lot of work to my plate, right? It's... A lot of work to look forward and plan out, you know, what do I want to talk about and put the outlines together and record and edit. And again, I'm a one-stop shop. I'm doing it all myself currently, although that's hopefully not going to be the case for very long here. And getting guests. And I have plans to get a lot more guests this year and reaching out and finding them and preparing and just all of that. lot of hard work. And yet... I had a lot of fun doing it and I realized that I really enjoy it and this is something I want to lean into more and more doing this kind of stuff and so it's really helped me step back and go okay what do I find hustle grind difficult that maybe I shouldn't be doing so much of and what do I want to double down on what are the strengths that I have and the strategies that can utilize those strengths and I can do more and more of that and less and less of the other stuff and some of that is going to be dropping some of the other stuff, which I'm going to get to in a minute because there's another lesson in there that I'm going to get at that kind of gets to this issue as well. Um, and some of it is going to be, well, where can I, you know, some of this stuff has to get done, but maybe I'm not the best person anymore. I was really wanting to do a lot of it on my own. Number one, money was one issue, obviously, right? When you're starting your own business, you're starting out from scratch and so you don't want to spend too much. And there were things I needed to invest in because I do believe very strongly when you're growing a business, you've got to invest. And I invested in coaches and I invested in technology. And I there were definitely things I've invested in. A mastermind that I don't just run masterminds, but I've been part of masterminds. And this recently, I've invested in a wonderful business coach that helps with more of the online stuff that, of course, I've never done as much of in the way that I have to do it as an online business owner. And so I... I believe in that, but I also wanted to do a lot of the things that I needed to do on the back end first so that I could understand them, get to know them, 
before I handed them off because I also think that's kind of important. And some of that work is more of a grind. And so I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm ready to really step back and let go of some of that stuff and lean into the fun a whole lot more. Because what I've learned is when you make it fun, and I learned this as a lawyer, I see this in my clients, and I'm also seeing this now. When you lean into the fun, you're more attractive to people, to the people you want to attract, right? Because you're able to show your strengths more. You're able to show your personality more. You're able to be more authentically you, which, by the way, is a great way to sell. If you are a private practice attorney or not an attorney or maybe in-house, but you have a job that sells, selling in that way is the easiest way, is the best way. And you can have a lot of fun with it too. So I've learned to lean into the fun and to start delegating more of the hustle and the grind stuff that just isn't as fun. Now, doesn't mean I can't I can delegate all of it. Some of that stuff you still have to do, right? I still have to write articles occasionally, which I kind of like doing, but on a limited basis. Um, But I'm leaning more into the fun and making it much more enjoyable for me this next year. And so my lesson for you is I want you to really look at your career, your business, whatever it is, whether you're private practice, in-house, not even an attorney. What are your strengths? How can you lean into them more? How can you make your everyday more fun? And where do you want to let go a little bit? Where can you delegate more? Where do you just want to let go completely and not do anymore? Okay. All right. So that's number one. Lesson number two, stop worrying about what everybody else does and go with your gut. Now, this is something that I've talked about before. So you may be thinking, well, Heather, you tell us to do this, you know, to some extent all the time. Don't worry about what everybody else does. Do your own thing. And I have in many respects done that. But (laughs) there there are definitely areas where I haven't because it's of what people do in the online space. So I'm specifically talking about what I've learned in respect to social media. I don't like it. I got to just say, I'm not a social media person. Until I started this business, I was never on. I didn't even, I wasn't on Facebook. I didn't have a Facebook account or an Instagram account. I joined it the year before I announced this business was going. I already knew I was starting the business when I went there. And I went there because I knew I needed to, right? I was only on LinkedIn. And I, although LinkedIn is kind of sort of a, well, okay, it is a social media tool. It's different. And I like LinkedIn. Because I see it as more of a networking tool in the online space, which I view differently than what Facebook is and what Instagram is becoming. And they're just not my thing. And they're a really big drain on my mental psyche. I just, I don't like being there. And I started going there because it was the place to be. You needed a Facebook account because it's kind of like your calling card and then you need to open Instagram because a lot of people are there it's the place to be it's what you do in the online space but something you guys probably have no clue and I'm not going to bore you with this but just so you know it's not just about posting there okay when you are in the online space And you are trying to attract clients online using Instagram. It is recommended that you post at least daily and potentially several times a day. Ugh, right? Couldn't do it. 
I just, I've never been able to do the daily thing and I sure as heck couldn't do more than that. Also, you have to research hashtags, put the right hashtags. I mean, it's just a mess and it's way time consuming and it's not something I enjoy doing at all. I also don't even really like it that much um, in general. I think it's kind of a weird thing <laughs> that we all want to post pictures of ourselves all the time. Um, and I've been doing it to some extent and I'm not 100% getting off of it, but I'm going to use it differently because and this is something my business coach helped me kind of get okay with. It's just not me. And it's not where I feel good. And when I really went and explored what I liked about LinkedIn and the networking and being able to connect with people and reach out and helping people, and that's what I enjoy. And I've always been really into networking and connecting with people. And so I need to use social media in that way and that way only and stop worrying about you know, getting out in front of a million people um, because it's not really connecting, right? And so I'm I'm dropping a lot of my Facebook and Instagram time. And I do have a tool that allows me to post some things on there without even getting on there. And I'll, I'll keep using that occasionally for very intentional, specific things, but I'm not going to be on there so much. Now, I will still be on there for my podcast um, on on Instagram only, not really Facebook, because there are potential guests and other places I would like to get on where they're there. But that is specifically to seek them out, to connect with them, to comment, to message them. To It's a connection, you know, networking thing. If I'm using it specifically for that, I'm okay with it. So that's what I learned. It's, And my gut has been telling me this for a long time, <laughs> like the last couple of years. Got to get off of this really draining you, really taking too much time, too much energy, don't like it. I mean, it just, I think that's where some of that grind and hustle was really coming from. Also, that's what I said. I'd get to that in a second, back on the last point. And so I've learned, listen to your gut, listen to your intuition. And if it doesn't feel right, go there, explore, because it probably isn't. And that's my lesson for you from this. Listen to yourself. Take some time to step back and go, okay, what, what am I intuitively feeling here? It doesn't feel right. So why? And explore. Go there. Listen. And the other thing I would say is keep things super simple. K-I-S-S, as my coach would say. Always go with simplicity. And usually that means leveraging your strengths to help you out so that you can keep things as simple as possible. For me, it's leaning into my value and my strength of connecting with people and utilizing these tools in that way and only in that way and not worrying about all the other stuff and what everybody else does and all the all the so-called, you know, right ways of doing it. That's not going to work for me. How might this work for you? If you're a private practice attorney and you're trying to build your business, pick just one or two main marketing strategies that make most sense given what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, and stick with them, right? You don't need to be everywhere. You don't need to be doing everything. You don't need to mirror the tactics that your colleagues are utilizing because you are not them and you have different strengths and gifts and skills. So as a lawyer, that means using maybe one main networking and one main marketing strategy and letting go of everything else, right? So if you love to teach and speak, 
do it. If you hate, um, don't. If you love to write, do it. If you're more introverted, get active in like maybe one or two associations where your perfect clients would be so that you're in a smaller group and get really active there and make deeper connections. You don't have to go to big events. You don't have to speak at big events. There's a lot of different ways to do these types of things. So just note, this is something we do inside of Elevate, my attorney business building mastermind. So if this is piquing your interest and you're like, yeah, I do want to simplify things. Yeah, I want to play to my strengths. I only want to do two, one or two things so that I can stick with it and grow my business with more ease, then stick around because I will give you the nitty gritty details at the end of the podcast. Okay, so that was lesson number two. Lesson number three, serving others doesn't mean doing it all for them or giving too much away. So this is a really interesting one. I have been told time and time again that I often give too much away. Too many tools, too many fixes, too many steps, too many so-called cures (laughs) in my blog posts, in my written resources, and even in this podcast. And I've never really listened to people before. Because as you probably know by now, service is one of my top values. And I've always felt like I had to do this to serve others to the best of my ability. But then somebody made me realize that's not necessarily what I'm doing. I'm not serving people to the best of my ability when I give so much away. Turns out sometimes I'm providing too much. So several reasons here. Number one, Giving too much away can be overwhelming to people, right? And then people just shut down and don't use what I give them. And they give up. And I've unfortunately done this in the past, um, especially when talking to people one-on-one because I just want to help them so much. And then it just confuses the heck out of them. And I worry that I'm hurting them and not helping them. And that actually was something that came up with a potential client um, who – did not become a client because I confused her so much and I was trying to help her. So giving the farm away isn't always the best thing. And so instead, what I'm realizing is that it's better to just provide that first step, that first thing that they need to make start taking action because a lot of times that's really where they they need to take that first step to create the momentum they need to move on and find the better answers and even be open to it. And so I'm going to try to get better at doing that Um, when I talk to people in the podcast potentially. I I don't know how that's going to look within the podcast because it is really hard for me not to like cover every step that I know. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. The other thing I would say is I know that working with a coach really can help people when they're ready to make huge leaps much more quickly than if they try going it alone. And sometimes giving everybody that, you know, giving you the every single step makes you believe you can just do it. And I had a client come to me say, well, you know, I thought about hiring you for a really long time and I didn't because I felt like I should be able to do this on my own. I know the steps to take. It's very clear. I've known it for a while. You even were telling me, no, here's what you need to do. And some of, you know, like my podcast, things that I was covering, these, what she needed. And so I was convincing myself I could do it. But I finally got to the point where I realized something is missing. And here's why coaching helps with that kind of a thing. Coach is a really good 
at helping expose the mental blocks, the mindset blocks, the things that are truly getting in your way and helping you expose them, see them for what they are and let go of them and move on and deal with them so that you can take the action you want. We all get stuck in our own heads. We, we're too close to ourselves. We're too close to our business. We're too close to our relationships, whatever it is, because there's a lot of different kind of coaches out there, right? There's relationship coach. There's business coaches. There's whatever. And wherever you're most stuck, it's good sometimes to have somebody else kind of come in and see what's going on and help uncover that. And sometimes, FYI, doesn't necessarily have to be a coach. It can be a mentor, right? It can be a family member or a good friend. You've all had those moments where you're talking to somebody and they're like, well, what about this? Or here's what I'm really hearing going on that you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't see that. (laughs) That's where an outside perspective can be so very helpful, right? And so when I give away too much, I sometimes convince people who really do need help, either from me or someone else, um, that they don't for a much longer time period. And then they come back way later and say, oh, I wish I'd hired you earlier. And that's kind of sucks, right? So how does this translate for you? For for me, this means being more clear, giving first steps, um, not trying to overwhelm people with too much information. But this comes into play for you as well. I talk a lot about providing value when you market yourself and when you're networking. And I do stand by that. You do want to provide real value. But value doesn't mean doing a bunch of work for free. Don't overdo it. And I've seen this, and I don't honestly know if litigators do this as much as the uh, transactional attorneys, because I see this all the time in transactional attorneys. And I did this a lot myself, and I saw a lot of other people do this back when I practiced. Doing term sheets for free, right? I wouldn't say you never do it, but be more intentional about how you do it and how often you do it. You don't want to give away too much for free because you're discounting, by the way, what you do for them. Don't discount the value you truly provide. When you help people and you give things away, it should be quick tips. It should be asking a few tough questions. It should be, you know, something that truly helps them move to that next step. But it doesn't need to be so much. And the same goes for, you know, when you're doing work for a client who consistently comes to you wanting a discount or wanting you to charge less or wanting you to write time off because they don't want to pay for it. You need to have a come to Jesus moment with yourself and the client because unless you're billing way too much, I mean, that, that's a sign that you're. it's one of two things. Number one you're billing way more than what this work is actually worth. And you need to get real about that and bill appropriately if that's the case. Or number two, there you haven't stood your ground in the right way or they're not – there's really a number three here, I guess. They're not the right client for you. And you want to get real about that. You shouldn't have to give so much away for free, okay? All right, so that was lesson number three. Lesson number four. This was a big one for me, and it it was a recent lesson that I learned uh, in November. When you're scared to invest in something that you know you really want, but money keeps coming up as a, oh, I can't do that. It's too expensive. Go deeper to determine what that real fear is. 
Because what happens is we often think it's because I can't afford it or it's just too much money. But sometimes that's not the case. And yes, this is something that happened to me very recently. Something that I thought I'd actually learned, but I realized that I think as we grow as humans, these things come up over and over and over again. So you need to be ready to deal with this type of thing over and over and over again and be on the lookout. So this came up for me when I was looking, um, realizing that I wanted to grow more of this year and mostly through my mastermind, which I've mentioned a couple of times, I will get to later, but I want to make it more available to as many people as possible because it is a easy way to work with me and make great relationships and network with fellow attorneys and it's not as quite as expensive as working one-on-one with me and yet you can still grow your business, right? And so... In doing that, I knew that I needed to get out there more and needed really an online coach to help me get out there. But, and I I identified the perfect person for me, somebody who I know who is amazing and I know could help me, but she's crazy expensive. (laughs) And it was really scary. And I kept thinking, yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know. And what I started to realize was it wasn't actually about the money. Because I knew she was worth the money. And I knew that if I paid the money, I could come up with it, FYI. I knew I could come up with the money. And it would be scary and it would make me feel vulnerable and all that stuff we don't like feeling. And I realized, okay, there's something more going on here. It's not really about the money. What is it? And as I dug around, it hit me. I was afraid to have that tough conversation with my husband about the money. (laughs) I didn't want to go to him and say, look, first off, I wasn't going to ask permission. I wanted to be all in on doing this. And I was going to go to him and say, look, this is what it costs. This is what I'm spending. I want your blessing. But even if you don't give it, I'm doing it anyway. And when it's that kind of money, you know, we, we talk to our spouses about it. We want them on board. I definitely do. We have that kind of relationship. And I didn't want to go there because I was afraid that he would not be on board. And so that was a huge deal for me. I was like, ooh, okay. I thought it was about the money and it really wasn't. And I know this comes up because I see it in clients all the time. And here's the funny thing. What I see in my clients when this happens is the ones who are too scared to bring it up never, never invest and never do anything. And like years later, I still see them in the same place with the same issues, the same problems, and not having made a change. The ones who go there and have that conversation, it may not be the most comfortable conversation, but 98% of the time, their spouse is actually on board and saying, yeah, no, you need to do this. (laughs) Now, what happened with me? He wasn't, oh, you have to do this, but he was totally okay with it. He was like, yeah, this makes sense. She looks amazing. She really can help you. And it, it, we need this, you know, you really need this to grow. You want this to grow. It's going to help with my scheduling. It's going to help with a lot of things. This is good. Let's do it. And so it ended up not being anywhere near as bad as I thought it was, which is another thing. We often make these fears Like we obsess over them forever and we make them into these huge mountains when they're not. So there's another lesson that you can learn there. All right, so that was lesson number four. When you have a fear 
especially around investing in something and you think it's a money issue, go deeper and make sure there's not something else going on that you really need to address. Because once you figure that out, it's easier to handle and move forward. All right, so lesson number five. This is my last lesson, y'all. Lesson number five was that I do not need to change the world. That I need to refocus on my ripple effect. So there's this concept that I actually wrote about years ago. If I can find the article, I will try to link to it in the show notes. About each person has a ripple effect of their own. Kind of like when you throw a stone in the pond, right? And you see that rippling go out. And it actually goes pretty far. It's just a little smaller, a little smaller the more it goes. I think we humans tend to think that we can only change the world in big, bold ways. That if we don't go all in, we don't make the huge leap, we don't change like millions of lives, we're not doing enough. And that's just not true. First off, I think it's really unrealistic to think that we can truly make those kinds of changes. Are there people out there who do that? Yes. But it's rare. And I think most change comes through the everyday ripple effects of us holding ourselves to higher standards, focusing in on our own way of authentically being ourselves, and just being present with people daily on our day-to-day basis. And not just our families. Yes, our families. Yes, our friends. But strangers that we meet. Everyone. Right? And I realized that I... I think partly because of the podcast and all these things that I was doing and my plans for this next year, even for last year into this next year of growth, that I was looking too big as though I needed to, to do these big things. And instead of looking at that, I just need to refocus on the ripple effect I have by being more present in the everyday. By not looking inward so much, which might surprise you because (laughs) I talk a lot about going inward, right? Mindset is important. But we then also have to take it and look outward and, and say, okay, am I holding myself to high enough standards? How do I take responsibility for my behavior in the world in the every single day? Because when we look too big, we lose sight of the little things that actually add up and make a bigger difference because it's where we do all of our living. So for me, that means... Being as present as I possibly can. This is a big thing that I always try to do, but I want to even double down this next year. It's about getting out more often. This whole pandemic, I think, has made a lot of us go inward more and be at home more and kind of be in our little cocoon world. And something you probably don't know about me is I'm more introverted than you probably realize. I love being at home. I don't love getting out. I love to get out occasionally, and I do have fun. But I'm really, really happy to just be at home and not do much. (laughs) Just be with my kids or even be by myself. I like my alone time. And this whole pandemic and not being able to get out as much has kind of helped me, like, lean into that even more and I need a better balance of getting out and seeing people and not just my husband and my kids and you know doing other things and being a whole person and so that I can actually have a ripple effect on other people and not just the people who live with me and there's a story I want to tell you because I think it's really important to understand you don't understand the ripple effect you might have on a day-to-day basis just by getting out and about in the world because You could, you know, 
be filling your car with gas and somebody may drive up next to you and see you and be having one of the worst days. And because you look at them and you smile and say good morning, it actually brightens their day a little bit. There, there are t- That may sound hokey, but it's true. There are tiny little interactions with people every single day that can make an actual difference in somebody's life. And you don't really know. You know, opening the door for someone, uh, someone dropping something at the grocery store and you calling it out and bringing it to them. All those little things. Like get out in the world and live. We've gotten a little too scared these last two years. Live your life. Connect with other people. Refocus on your unique ripple effect that you can have every single day in these small little micro interactions, okay? This is another example of what I'm talking about. The year after my cancer treatment, I had a scare. I thought that my cancer might have come back. And so I had to go get um, a scan done. And I remember waiting in the room that they had me before of a scan. I'm, you know, you get all your clothes off and you have to wear these horrible gowns and it's freezing cold in there. And there's this wonderful little woman <laughs> who was sitting across me who was there for the same reason. And she was pretty confident her cancer was back because it had been gone for a long time. She had some pretty decent symptoms. And it was really, they were looking to see, you know, confirm it and see how much it had spread. And we had this amazing conversation for like eight minutes. That was it. But I learned so much from this woman in eight minutes who knew she was probably dying, but yet was content with who she was, how she lived her life, how she'd raised her family, that it made me want to double down on, okay, I need to focus on what's most important in my life in that moment. And that experience has stuck with me forever. Like it's been nine years almost since then. And I still remember the conversation I had and what we talked about and how it impacted me. And it comes to me often when I want to be more present with my kids. And so these are the things, you know, if that woman hadn't been fully open and present and willing to talk to me in that moment, and if I hadn't have been there and willing to accept it, that conversation never would have taken place. You don't need to change the world. Refocus on just being more present on getting out there on your own ripple effect in your day-to-day life. So ask yourself, how have you gotten too comfortable with being at home, with not getting out? It's time to figure out how to get out there more often and live. And then ask, well, how can you best make a ripple effect? You know, be more present. Pay attention to others. Smile. Be authentically you. And find ways to use those strengths that you have in your everyday interactions with anyone and everyone. Okay, that is it for today. I hope that you learned something from these lessons. I hope that they bring forth some new thoughts and maybe uh, ways to interact with people and ways to shift your perspective around how you want to go about, you know, living your life this next year and beyond, of course. And before I let you go, I have a question for the private practice attorneys out there. If you are a partner, a shareholder, and of counsel, are you ready to go all in on your vision for your practice? Whether you are a young partner wanting to build your book, an experienced partner wanting to grow or even pivot your practice, or of counsel 
trying to build your book so that you can get promoted to equity partner, Elevate is for you. As my client Jim Jim once said, the results speak for themselves. His time in the mastermind helped him start a side business he had long thought about but never seemed to get around to while growing his legal practice by more than 200000 in revenues that year. This is by application only because the group dynamics are super important, and I want to ensure it's truly the right fit for you. It isn't for everyone, okay? But if this is piquing your interest, see the link in the show notes for the details and how to apply. I invite you to apply so that we can chat. There are limited spots. This is a limited time opening. If you are listening to this after applications close, be on the lookout. There will probably be a waiting list at some point that you can sign up for. So do sign up for that. Okay, that is it for today. I will see you next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life and Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life and Law, including the Life and Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.